Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 286 for March 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Randy Snow. On today's show, it was week three in the XFL, the beer snake is back, and say it ain't so, is Tom Brady unretiring again? In this week's history lesson, we tell the history of the Indoor Football League. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table from me, as always, is my son Adam. Yes, my job today is to keep refreshing Adam Schefter's Twitter account for breaking news, because uh, I have a feeling we're going to get some Daniel Jones news here. But man, uh, we've had a we've had quite a few NFL stories this yeah, week. Yeah, so many other uh, players signing and all the deals happening at the combine. Tag, yeah. I know. Oh, <laughs> I I heard something about there's like a, a restaurant or something now in yeah. Indianapolis that. All these deals are like going down at, and it's like I want a doc, I want a movie, I want a documentary about this restaurant, and some of the deals going on. I, I want it. I posted that article on our Twitter feed. Uh, the deals aren't really made there, but the the birth of these deals is made at this restaurant where they get together and they talk, and then later on things probably happen. But it all starts with dinner at this restaurant. How would you like to be the bus boy or the bus girl going up and just like, <laughs> uh, can I clean up your burger mess there, Mister Andy Reid, as he over you know listens in on what the Chiefs are planning? No, to do I'm going to finish that. That's exactly what Andy Reid sounds like too. Andy Reid on the podcast, everybody. How you doing, Andy? Shut up. Oh, we come way to be- commit to a bit. We come to you each week from the fabulous World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. We're also on Amazon Music, so you can simply ask Alexa to play the World of Football podcast. So, let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football scoreboard. That's right, we're going to start things off with the XFL. It's week three and what a weekend of football for the XFL. Yeah, I think they they have finally, you know, it was a full weekend of great games that were all within six points of each other. Like, each each game was a close game yep. uh, to varying degrees. But uh, we start with, on Saturday, the only Saturday game, the Seattle Sea Dragons clinching their first win of the season by defeating my Vegas Vipers 30-26 to in a back-and-forth game that was very entertaining, even uh, though I was on the losing side. Uh it's uh, Seattle quarterback Ben DiNucci who completed 29 passes for 377 yards and four touchdowns. A stat line I never thought I'd see yeah. in a spring league game. Uh, running back Morgan Ellison for the Sea Dragons ran 17 times for 103 yards, while Seattle Sea Dragons wide receiver Josh Gordon, former NFL player, caught six passes for 118 yards and two touchdowns, one of them being that game, uh, taking the lead in the game there at the end of the game, heck of a touchdown by him. Josh Gordon's looked great in these three weeks of the uh, XFL season. His teammate, whose name escapes me right now, who was leading the league in receiving there for a couple of weeks, um, was looking mighty fine too still. Well, maybe with a shorter season, you know, only 10 games, it gives Josh Gordon less time to get in trouble. 
Well, <laughs> maybe come on now. I think I think he's looked great. I, I'd be curious to see if a team gives him another shot this year, which is the point of this league. Yeah. Uh, but then on the Vegas side of the ball, quarterback Brett Hundley completed 13 passes for 224 yards and two touchdowns, replacing uh, former starter Luis Perez. Yeah. They've been kind of going back and forth with their quarterbacks, yep. trying to just find a spark. And I thought they looked great, other than you know letting the Sea Dragons get that last you know touchdown there with about a minute or so to go. But uh, Seattle's got some weapons. And uh, they've been fun to watch when you know they're slinging it around. Yeah, Vegas has has played well, but they just they, they just haven't put been, it all together yet. Haven't got a win yet. No. All right, but then on Sunday, what a great game between the DC Defenders and the St. Louis BattleHawks. The status of the beer steak notwithstanding, <laughs> which we'll talk about a bit later, I guess. Uh, the Defenders defeated the BattleHawks thirty-four to twenty-eight for the highest scoring game in XFL history as of right now. Uh, the the defenders quarterback Jordan Tamau completed 11 passes for 196 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for another touchdown. While St. Louis quarterback AJ McCarron completed 26 passes for 262 yards and four touchdowns, along with two interceptions in the loss. I think that was the difference in the game. Was yeah, those two interceptions were pretty big. And then Seattle wide receiver Hakeem Butler caught nine passes for 105 yards and a touchdown. That dude was big when he, they were finally throwing it to him. Like it's a big receiver, hmm. uh, but. What an entertaining game this ended up being. You know, your Battle Hawks end up losing, but what a thrilling game that came down to the end. And it yeah. got pretty chippy there. Oh, um, man, yeah. There was uh, some fighting breaking out there towards the end of that game. They even had to stop the game with 10 seconds left. And they just said, all right, we're not even letting them kneel the ball down anymore. Yeah, with, this is with the three out people of hand. ejected from the game. Three uh, people got ejected. Team, yeah. The other hand. Oh, yeah. With like 30 seconds left. What was the point of ejecting guys with 30 seconds left? But still, it was, I, it got real bad. So now. When the Defenders and Battlehawks rematch at some point this season, that's going to be must-watch TV. I can't wait. Well, yeah, that'll that'll be in the Seattle, so or I mean uh, St. Louis. So yeah, the crowd will be on. Oh man, <laughs> and that and that, that, that crowd's day. already now getting a reputation for the beer snake, for the lemons, mm-hmm. and now the empty cups. No, I'm saying the the Battlehawks fans oh, Battle when, Hawks. when they replay this game. Oh, that's true. It'll be in. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, they'll they'll be behind their home team. That's so all they will, and we'll talk about. The yeah. St. Louis Battlehawks home field in a little bit as well. More teases. Wow, we're so good at this. All right. Then on Sunday, the Arlington Renegades defeated the Orlando Guardians 10-9, a low-scoring affair, but a close game nonetheless. Arlington quarterback Kyle Slaughter completed 18 passes for 124 yards and a touchdown, while Orlando quarterback Paxton Lynch completed 19 passes for 219 yards with no touchdowns. So this game, you know, uh, Orlando did a lot of shuffling. They've been really... Uh, Let's see. I won't say they lacked inspiration, but they just haven't performed real well. And the coaches made it no secret on the sideline talking to those reporters that he was going to make some changes. <laughs> and whatever he did, I mean, you played a 10 9 ball game, you just came just short. Yep. So clearly they, you know, we're in it. So that's a step in the right direction, I think, mm. despite them falling to 0 3. All right. And then finally, in a game, this was a great game uh, that I saw for a little bit. I didn't get to watch the whole game, but when I was watching, I was pleasantly surprised to see the. San Antonio Brahmas hang in there with the Houston Roughnecks, who I thought were the best team going into week three. Uh, but the Roughnecks got the best of the Brahmas, 22-13. Houston quarterback Brandon Silvers completed 24 passes for 278 yards and three touchdowns, while San Antonio quarterback Jack Cohn completed just eight passes for 64 yards and a touchdown. So uh, any thoughts on uh, week three uh, as a whole pretty, for the XFL? Pretty entertaining games again. Yeah. You know, I didn't watch all of every game, but... Uh, from what I saw, you know, it was, it was pretty competitive, pretty even, a lot of back and forth uh, uh, play on both both sides. So, 
It's just a lot of fun to watch. I think, yeah, I think this is the week that the product finally kind of lived up to the the hype, and you know these, these players. I think everybody's starting to get into a groove and a rhythm, and these teams are a lot closer than we think, despite some of the records for some of these teams. That any of these teams could go out and win, you know, when they come out and play. So it's very exciting stuff. And if you're, you know, Dwayne the Rock Johnson or um, Danny Garcia, Danny Garcia. You know, you got to be really happy with the way these guys are playing. Uh, other than the ending of that Battle Hawks game, <laughs> which I never saw the Rock address, but I mean, yeah, you can't. That's something you don't want your Spring League to do, even though it was kind of fun to see a fight break out. <laughs> well, I wondered, you know, how how much they were going to follow the fights on the field. And for a while uh, in that Battle Hawks game, they did. They stuck with it, and they were they were showing. It. Now, like uh, Fox or NBC, they don't they don't show that uh, a lot of times uh, in in NFL games. They shy away from that. The XFL they're supposed to be all access. Why wouldn't you show all that? Show the good and the bad. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it it is a bad mark uh, on the team and and the league, but. You know, let's see it. Let's see what happens. We'll I, all decide who's who's right, who's wrong. And I don't know how much they're paying the bleep button guy because uh, <laughs> this guy has been sleeping at the yeah. button sometimes. Yeah. yeah, you'll hear a really bad word, and then the sound goes out. <laughs> so he's, yeah. Gotta keep your finger on that trigger. Bro. Oh man, it's, it's seriously like somebody—he probably just scrolling through Twitter or Instagram, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh crap, shoot, and then. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was... Several of those got got away. I mean, you you know when the sound oh, goes, yeah. they it's... they press the button because somebody's yelling or swearing. Or well, something. I mean, at the same time, we know with live sports that that stuff's going to yep. happen. Yep. Um, I get that they want it to be watchable for families or whatever, but sure, come on, like if you're going to make it all access, why restrict it? Like, it's fine. Even the coaches, you're getting the coaches swearing at guys. Yeah. What the you doing out there? And if, and if, <laughs> if you're going to give me all access, that's the stuff I want. I want to hear. The F you doing out there? Like, I want to hear the coach berating a player sometimes. Like, it's just, I know it's just, if you're going to be different from the NFL, I guess go that route. With the NFL, you know, sometimes you got to wait for the NFL films footage to kind of get combed through before you can see some of that stuff. But, hey, with the XFL, it's live, and I think we could do the bleep button better than yeah, whoever's yeah, doing it right now. Messed up several times over the weekend. I was the same guy for every game, but, wow. <laughs> yes. Sometimes they were right on it, and other times they were definitely not. All right, and quickly previewing next week's slate of Week 4 games for the XFL. On Saturday, we'll have the Roughnecks traveling to the Guardians. The Brahmas will travel to the Sea Dragons on Saturday. And then on Sunday, another doubleheader where the Renegades will travel to St. Louis for their first home game of the season, which we'll talk again more in a little bit. And then the Vegas Vipers at 0-3 will travel to D.C. to play the Defenders at 3-0. So... Between the Roughnecks at 3-0 playing the Guardians at 0-3 and the Vipers at 0-3 playing the Defenders at 3-0, who do we see? What do you think will happen first? Is somebody get the, get their first win or get their first loss? Well, <laughs> I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I can't tell you what's going to happen. Think, uh, I think people are just going to get – I think they're going to be undefeated still. Yeah. I think the Vipers and Guardians are probably not going to beat those You're two. Those are two right. of the best teams playing two of the worst teams record-wise. But they're I, just the defenders might be the best team in the league right now. Yeah, well, you're probably right. All right, let's move on to uh, Champions Indoor Football. It was week one in that indoor league. And uh, all three games this week were on Saturday. The Sioux City Bandits defeated the Rapid City Marshals 75-34. to The Salina Liberty defeated the Topeka Tropics 75-45. to And the Gillette Mustangs over the Southwest Kansas Storm 30-12. to now, there were a couple other games, but they were uh, games against non-conference opponents. Uh, I don't know where they found these. That's weird. Yeah, they, they play these teams that aren't even in their league. Yeah. Like, it's... 
Yeah, so I, w- I didn't want to mention those. But uh, next week they should have a full schedule with all eight teams uh, playing each other. So uh, we'll, we'll get the full, uh, the full scores next week. And that is it for this week's World of Football scoreboard. Now I want to start off the next section with a correction. Uh, I made a mistake last week in the show. Did you say uh, that again? You made a mistake? I did. The Arena Football League showcase game that I said was uh, played uh, on that date, 19, uh, 1987, when we broadcast last week on the 28th of February, it was not that day. It was the day before. It was February 27th, 1987. I was incorrect stating that that was the anniversary of that game. So Again, emphasis day late, on the you were incorrect games. part. I know. It's it's always a good day when you start out things with a correction. Oh, I love it. You have to admit that you were wrong. Oh, I love hearing before. you admit that you were wrong. I know you do. All right, uh, NFL news. Wow, we got a lot of uh, uh, moves and things going on. Uh, one thing, I didn't watch a whole lot of the scouting combine this year. The underwear Olympics, yeah. I did not either. But the big thing to me that came out of this was defensive end Nolan Smith from the University of Georgia uh, ran the fastest, the second fastest forty-yard dash for a defensive lineman since two thousand five. He had he turned in a time of four point three nine seconds. Impressive speed. That is, and I think I, I watched that run and. Man, that's a that's a big guy moving down the, down the See, field. I, I I heard you know the, a lot of players have been coming out and criticizing the combine for being like none of these drills amount to anything in the NFL. Yeah, yet this is the make or break for a lot of dudes, right, which yeah. is very weird. Which I've been starting to kind of lean on. But my favorite part, the tradition of the combine that is my favorite, is when Rich Eisen yeah. goes down and runs the forty. Thought you were going to say the Wonderlick test. No, <laughs> but uh, only because I don't know what that is. We were going to take the Wonderlick test a few years we ago. Still we still should. We never did. We, that should, that'd be a great video to do. Anyway, uh, my favorite thing is Rich Eisen doing the the run. He does it every year, and it's great. But they started doing this thing where they compare his run to some of the players and overlapping those videos, and they're gold. They are pure <laughs> gold watching him run, and then you just see a – they'll even give him like a 5- or 10-yard head start, and you'll just see a player zip on past his – oh, it's so good. And then – I saw a series of these videos. I'm sure you can find it either on YouTube or social media somewhere. But then they started showing some of the uh, NFL Network crew members getting in on the fun, doing the run. And he lost to every single person. <laughs> tied with one dude who I believe was a cameraman wearing a cape. <laughs> and then he beat one guy who tripped and fell in the middle of his run. That's the only guy he beat was a guy who literally tripped and fell in the middle of their run. Who who was the uh, the the lady reporter for the Lions a few years ago? Tori Tori Petri. Tori Petri. She ran it one year did in she? high heels, and she did fantastic. She Dang. I don't know what her time was, but man, she was uh, streaking down that field in high heels, and then finally with know, clothes on. Let's just okay. When you say streaking, okay. <laughs> we got to careful how you phrase this, Randy. Come on, we are family show. She did a great job of running down the field in high heels and then diving into it like a big sandbag or something at the end. Maybe, but uh, I don't yeah. remember that. I oh, to, I do. I have to look that I up. Because yeah. like I always thought it was weird. Like you've seen in like Jurassic World, they're running like a lady running away from a dinosaur in heels. You're like that can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then you watch somebody run the forty yard dash. Okay, I'm, maybe, I'm is it believable or whatever it was they were I'm running turf. on, but. But yeah, you know, she did a great job. Uh, let's see some other news. Uh, Wait, got... are you saying that you would volunteer to do the forty-yard dash in heels? Because I would watch that content, Randy. I don't know if I could do it in shoes. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to time me with a calendar. Uh, let's see. Uh, Seattle quarterback Geno Smith is signing a three-year, one hundred and five million-dollar contract. 
who remained with the team. What do you think about that? I know you were big Geno uh, Smith. Fan. He was support. I thought it was he was a great story this year. He he played great. I think he deserved this contract. Mm. Uh, I think it's also the right amount of time because Geno's been in the league for a while. I'm not sure. I guess I could look it up real quick. He, I mean, he's been in the league for a few years, and so I was like, wow, how much is a team willing to commit? to you know a guy who's been in the league for a while and uh, i'm trying to talk and look up information at the same time well you know it, it, the deal isn't final. I mean, he's 32 years old so he you know 32 years old um i'm trying to still find when he was drafted but continue last i knew that this was still a pending deal i mean this is what they've offered him i think he's agreed to it but the uh contract hasn't officially been uh, signed yet at least as of you know today that we're doing this podcast but that's, uh, I think that's a pretty decent contract. You know, it's not the, uh, f- it's not fully guaranteed. I think I read that fifty-two million of that is uh, going to be paid over the the first year of the the three-year contract. So he's going to be getting less than that in the last two years. Okay, so yeah, so Gino was drafted by the Jets in twenty, uh, excuse me, twenty thirteen. So he's been in the league for ten years. So a guy that's thirty-two years old, you're going to sign him to a three-year contract. So I guess, I mean, that kind of feels right. He had a great season. He could probably produce for a couple more years. And I'm sure, they, like you said, they front, sounds like they front-loaded that contract. Right. So they could probably back out if he doesn't have a great year this year or next year. So I think it's a smart move for now. And they're clearly not looking at draft. Well, they could be la- looking at drafting a quarterback still, potentially. But Gino, I think Gino deserved that contract. Well, I, I guess it's good for to. the team and for him. You know, I think so too. It's they, a win-win for both. I think it is a win-win. I mean, they're not paying him a whole lot, you know. They're not breaking the bank completely for a guy that you know, had one great year, but rewarding him for having that good year. So, okay, um, let's see what else are we up to here. Quarterback David Carr uh, looks like he's going to be signing with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, uh, that par- was the last thing I saw. Is, is that it, it looks pretty certain. Uh, you know, I didn't see any details on any kind of contract, how long or whatever, how much. I could have swore I saw some some contract details. I'm not sure how official that can be just yet. Um, but, I mean, that's what everybody's been speculating. He was he was the big free agent uh, uh, so far that everybody was looking at. Where's David Carr going to land? And it looks like the landing place for him is going to be New Orleans. Yeah, I think that's pretty. it's a pretty much a done deal. Uh, obviously, nothing can be made official, I think, until... What is it? The fifteenth of yeah, the 15th so next week. So we got a week and a day when all this free agency stuff hits. You know, starts hitting. Mm. But yeah, he's he's gonna be a saint. Uh, I could have swore I found the contract detail somewhere, but um, I'm having trouble finding it right now. But okay. I mean, I think it's a good fit. I think New Orleans and Derek Carr can are gonna be a scary team. I think that automatically makes them the contender in the South and mm. the NFC South rather to you know take that division. Mm, we'll see. So. Uh, the next story is uh, the Packers have given Aaron Rodgers permission to talk to the Jets. Yep, uh, it wasn't too long ago. It sounds like the Vikings or the Vikings, the <laughs> the Jets were flying out on a jet to mm. California to go speak with Aaron Rodgers. Um, team officials, uh, this was like an hour ago. Team officials were scheduled to meet with him in person. Mm. So we'll see if they can come to some sort of agreement with Rodgers to. I'll probably send some draft picks or maybe another couple players over to Green Bay in exchange for Rodgers. So we'll see what kind of – how much do you think the Jets are going to have to give up? Do you think this deal actually goes down? If they're flying out there hope, right now – I just hope it all goes away soon because I, I don't want to talk well, about it. Well, supposedly like they, they liked Derek Carr and they told Derek Carr, the Jets, that we like you, but we're waiting to see what happens with Aaron Rodgers first. He's our number one choice. Like, hmm. I think they're missing out on a guy. Like I think Derek Carr is the better bet right now. Rodgers, is he good? Sure. But how much has he got left in the tank? 
And what if he stops caring? Like, that's yeah. the other side. I think Derek Carr's at least going to, you know, go through a crappy season with you. Yeah, I think Derek Carr will, will put in the time that it takes to uh, get familiar with his teammates and the playbook and the coaching staff. Yeah, Derek Carr if, seems like a genuinely cool dude. I yeah, like Derek Carr. I don't know if Rodgers is going to be that good at uh, getting into a new team where he's the new guy, uh, even though he's he's going to feel like he's the, you know, the, the top dog around there. He's going to need to put in the work if they plan to have any kind of successful season. Yeah, and depending on what they have to give up, could that be ruining the Jets? I think the Jets have started building something yeah, decent over there. Yeah, they're a team except for quarterback. Yeah, they, they struggled at quarterback, so you get, okay, you get Rodgers, cool, but what are you missing out if you have to trade draft picks? Are you not going to be able to fill a couple holes that probably would have made you a better team all around? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we'll yeah. see if that breaks before the end of the show. Okay. Uh, another one, uh, Lamar Jackson is going to receive the franchise tag uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, yeah, they call it the non-exclusive franchise tag, which I guess it means that uh, Lamar will still be, like, I, I think the way they phrase it is it'll be a $32.41 million non-exclusive franchise tag, according to Adam Schefter. Lamar is now allowed to negotiate with other teams, but the Ravens have the right to match any offer sheet that he signs. Or... They can get a two first. They can get two first round picks in return for him. Mm. So sounds almost like a win win for the Ravens. Mm, yeah. 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 Okay, we lost Lamar, but we got two first round picks out of it. They've, they've had so much time to work out a deal. I mean, this but, been going there's got to be something. There's got to be something that Lamar wants that they just won't I think give he him. Wanted that uh, fully guaranteed contract, which nobody wants to seems to want to get behind anymore after, you know, what happened with uh, what's-his-face in Cleveland. Sean Watson. Sean Watson. Yeah, nobody... That was a bad deal, so everybody's scared to death of a uh, fully guaranteed contract anymore. And I wonder if the, the owners at, a, at an upcoming team meeting will will vote to not have any, you know, fully guaranteed contracts to anybody. I don't know. You have to talk to your players' union about that. Mm. I'm sure that's something they negotiated. Yeah, I don't and, know. Uh, you know, the Ravens general manager came out with a statement saying that they're trying everything they can do to keep Lamar as part of their organization. So we'll see what happens. Man, if we could see if we see Lamar in a different uniform, what a crazy offseason this is going to be. Yeah, yeah, it could be a whole lot of changes. Uh, and, and one of the changes was that uh, Tom Brady was now retired. Well, just in the last uh, 24 hours, there are rumors that he's coming back out of retirement again, this time to sign with the Miami Dolphins. Will this nightmare ever end? Can't this guy just go away? Well, according to Tom Brady himself, via his Instagram or Twitter, I really don't care which one it is, <laughs> but he said, I can't come out of retirement. I just adopted a two-month-old kitten from my daughter. That's a lot of stuff on my plate. So yeah. what a know-nothing tweet that couldn't mean anything. Like, yeah. And tomorrow uh, he'll be signed to the Dolphins. I, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'll be shocked if this actually happens. Yeah. I hope it's just somebody kind of having a. I know, but, having but fun. it was reported by some reputable uh, folks. I don't know. There. Stephen E. Smith came out and said something. I just, I don't know where some of these people get somebody their else like that. I don't could know. have been, but I heard Stephen A. Smith said something. It could be, who cares? I don't care. If he actually comes back, then he'll come back and then we'll know it. But until it happens, I don't believe it right now. Do I think he could pull a Brett Favre and unretire a second time? Probably. But I just don't know. I just think he's done. I think he's done. Okay, let's move on to some XFL news. The beer snake is back in D.C., but it has a code of conduct conduct this time around. And you have the code of conduct in front of you. You want to read parts of that and uh, and see what 
what has to happen in order for the beer snake to continue to be a thing in the end zone there Why, in DC? yes, yes, let me read you the official uh, beer snake code of conduct as posted by the DC Defenders. Um, now, stick with me, everybody. Here we go. <laughs> for the safety of all fans, the beer snake will be permitted in sections 138 and 137, contingent on fans following the game day code of conduct. Number one, no cups may be thrown from within the section from outside the section to join the beer snake or inside the section. Number two, all cups must be passed to the location of the beer snake to be added, uh, or you may provide your cups to a defender's representative who will bring the cups to the beer snake, as if it's its own living identity. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, number three, only empty cups can be added to the beer snake. Number four, any throwing of cups or other projectile objects within the seated area or onto the field of play are grounds for ejection. And during that game, we saw a lot of cups. Yeah, at the end. We uh, saw so many cups yeah, they were and lemons them. again. And then number five, the cups from the beer snake must be properly disposed of in a stadium receptacle at the conclusion of the game. That's going to be a pretty big receptacle. <laughs> Please drink responsibly. Well, it was great because during this game, there were so many cups that they started a second yeah, beer snake. A second one. And then at some point, I wasn't sure if they actually pulled it off, but they said they were trying to merge the two beer snakes into one <laughs> giant beer snake. So a lot was happening in the stands. It was very entertaining. That whole game was entertaining in the yeah. stands and on the field. And, and it came down to, what was it, a fourth down play or something? I think yeah. you were say it came down to a few pups to complete the beer snake. No, no. What I'm saying is that when uh, when the game finally ended with, you know, what, 30 seconds or something, when they knew that they had the ball back yeah. and, and um, uh, the other team didn't have any timeouts, that... Uh, Everybody in the stands knew that it was the game was over and that they had won the game. They started tearing apart the beer snake, and a lot of those cups got thrown onto the field or in the end zone. And yeah. so I thought, well, I wonder if anybody's going to get ejected as they're walking out of the stadium. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, that's the beer snake protocol, everybody. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, another uh, XFL in other XFL news, the ball spotter uh, got to hold the ball for the. Uh, uh, Vegas kicker during their game. It was really windy there. What a what a thing I've never seen in professional well, football ever. Because uh, all the all the other players are up on the line of scrimmage, so there was nobody back there to uh, hold the ball. So the ball spotter, the guy with the red hat who runs in and, and places the ball ready for play, uh, he got to hold the ball for the Vegas kicker, and his name was Eddie Garcia, and he was getting all kinds of love uh, on social media. I, the I broadcasters post, loved him. I post, posted a uh, video on um, uh, at least on our Twitter page that uh, showed him doing his thing and then uh, running off the field uh, <laughs> as soon as the ball was kicked. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he was he was getting a lot of a lot of love. So I thought that was kind of cool. It was a very unique situation because we even, yep. I think in real time we were watching the game saying, well. If all guys have to be out, like, do they remove a guy and let, have them hold it? And then they, all of a sudden we see the ball guy just yep. holding the ball for the kickers. Yep. Like, okay, I guess this is how this works. <laughs> they must have thought about that because, you know, they they uh, uh, knew that, that you couldn't have a player hold the ball. So in those conditions, who would do that? So they must have had this all worked out before, but I've just never seen that before. Well, we'll see the documentary that says, oh, we didn't think about that at all. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, in, in XFL news, the Battlehawks are opening a 300-level seating at their uh, home stadium 
for their home opener this weekend due to a demand for tickets. All right, so 30,000 plus yeah, is, we're, we're seems like at, a lot. Probably 30,000 people uh, being at this game, maybe more, who knows? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, how, what is the capacity for the Dome in St. Louis? Do you know at the top I of your head? Yeah, I don't know that. All right, well, to Google head. then. But, yeah, I just, you all these stadiums, you know, a lot of the, the bigger stadiums you've seen that only the lower sections uh, have people sitting in them. All the upper sections are completely vacant. But evidently, they've sold out the lower bowl, and so they they want more fans in there, so they're opening up the upper sections. All right, take a guess what their full seating capacity is for the Dome at America Center in well, St. Louis, they Missouri. They used to have the, the Rams there. I'm going to say um, 60,000. 66,965. Mm-hmm. So I think 30,000 is a lock. Yeah. The question yeah, is, half the stadium. do you think they crack 40? I don't know. That would know. that would uh, if they were undefeated, I would say you know more people still would still at two and one. Up. I know their first home game. They're two and one first home game. Yep. I think the people in St. Louis loved the Battle Hawks. They the drew last very time. well the last time around, and I think they I will think draw really well. This I think time. they're hungry for professional football. There, I, I think this is going to be insane. I, I think at the end of the season they will lead the league in a fan attendance. Oh, I think that's no question. But I think for this game, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're going to crack forty. I think they will crack forty thousand people there. We'll see. Especially if they're opening up that extra seating, unless yeah. they don't allow more than forty, which I'm not sure. But they're opening up another section. I, I mean, think they'll sell as many tickets as they as oh. they can. You know, God, I, I want them to crack forty. I think that'd be great. That'd be like double the attendance of any other XFL game. Hmm. So all of the best XFL games so far. All right, we're going to move on to some National Arena League news. Antonio Brown is now a part owner owner of the NAL's Albany Empire franchise. His father, touchdown Eddie Brown, will serve as the team's vice president of football operations. Eddie Brown played 10 seasons in the Amer- in the Arena Football League uh, with the Albany Firebirds from 94 to 2000, and when the team moved to Indiana and became the Indiana Firebirds, he remained there for another three years from uh, 2001 to 2003. Uh, he won an Arena Bowl with Albany in 1999, and he was elected to the AFL Hall of Fame in 2011. So, this uh, this kind of goes into what I what we've been talking about when we talk about the return of the Arena Football League, and I think I think the Albany Empire are going to be a part of it. So, uh, the the National Arena League is going to be using the rebound nets this year, and I just think it it's a, an easy way to transition them back into the Arena Football League. Of course, they can't make that announcement until after. The season is over with. Uh, you don't want to say, "Oh, we're leaving this league after this year until the you know season's over with." Maybe they'll win another title. Who knows? But um, yeah, it just seems like uh, all the all the pieces are falling into place with uh, Antonio Brown and Eddie Brown being part of the uh, the group there in Albany and uh, using the rebound nets. That it just it's lining up perfectly for them to join the the rebirth of the Arena Football League in 2024. Yeah, when you, when you said that, I was like, that makes perfect sense. But I yep. hope they keep Antonio Brown as far away from the operations here as possible. <laughs> well, he's just a part owner. Uh, I don't care. He's uh, hasn't, not much he's touched lately has worked out. So, yeah. and, and Eddie Brown, he, uh, he was a head coach in the AF2 with the yeah. uh, Fort Wayne Fusion for, uh, for a season. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he's been around the AFL for a long time. Yeah. So he's the perfect person to uh, get the Arena Football League back up and running and, and, Say this is the way we do things mm. in the Arena Football League. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's positive positive news coming out of uh, Albany. Yeah, we'll see. I, I hope your plan or what you think is going to happen follows yeah, through. We'll see. Uh, we do have some breaking news, as we kind of figured. Uh, the Giants have reached an agreement with Daniel Jones, their starting quarterback, on a long term deal 
Um, no specifics just yet, other than that it sounds like it, it is a four-year deal that they have just uh, hmm. put together. So he avoids getting franchise tagged. That now puts the spotlight, apparently, according to Adam Schefter, on Saquon Barkley and the prospects of him getting franchise tagged by hmm. the Giants. So, hmm. Interesting okay. stuff. And, uh, yep, as of right now, that's our breaking news. Okay. All right, we do have a couple of birthdays to talk about today. Uh, a couple of teammates and a couple of Hall of Famers. Uh, the first one is running back Franco Harris, uh, born on this date in 1950. He passed away recently on December 22nd at the age of 72, played his college football at Penn State, and was selected with the 13th overall pick in the 1972 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played 13 NFL seasons. He was with the Steelers from 72 to 83 and finished his playing career with the Seattle Seahawks in 1984. I had forgotten that, that he went to the Seattle for one season. He won four Super Bowls with the Steelers in the 1970s, and he is most famous for the Immaculate Reception. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1990. And then the other birthday today is his teammate, wide receiver Lynn Swan, turns 71 years old today. He played his college football at USC and was selected with the 21st pick in the 1974 NFL Draft by the Steelers. He played his entire nine-year career with the Steelers from 1974 to 1982. He also won four Super Bowls and was the MVP of Super Bowl X. Swan was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2001, and he also appeared in the movie The Waterboy, among others. Yeah. Which we just talked about in the video we did, our top ten football movies. Uh, Spoiler alert, The Waterboy gets mentioned a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great scene. I mean, he he did several scenes, but the best one was when he was on the sideline and and Bobby Boucher's girlfriend was acting as the the water water consultant or hydration specialist yeah. at the time, and and she gave this this exact score how it was going to end, and he's like, "Oh yeah, right," <laughs> and she turned out to be right. Spoiler: If you haven't seen the movie, come on. <laughs> Who hasn't seen that movie? If you're a football fan, you had to have seen The Water Boy by now. Come on, unless you're 12 years old, maybe not. Okay, we're going to move on to some obituaries, and this is where we take a moment to honor those who've made the world of football a better place. And the first obituary today is that of Jerry Richardson, the former owner of the Carolina Panthers. He has passed away at the age of 86. Richardson played wide receiver in college at FCS Wolford College in South Carolina and was named an Associated Press Little All-American in 1957 and 1958. In 1983, he was named to Wolford's all-time football team. Richardson was selected in the 13th round of the 1958 NFL Draft by the Baltimore Colts. He played two seasons uh, with Baltimore in 1959 and 1960 and was named the Colts Rookie of the Year in 1959. He also won an NFL title with the Colts in 1959 and caught a touchdown pass in the championship game from Johnny Unitas. I didn't know any of this about him until I read this today. Richardson was the majority owner of the Panthers from its inaugural season in 1995 through 2017. That's when he was forced to sell the team on December 17, 2017, after he was accused of inappropriate racial and sexually suggestive language by a number of team employees. So a sad ending to a a pretty storied uh, career as a player and ownership. Um, Sad ending, but... uh, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know he played college football. Didn't know he played in the NFL. Didn't know he was a draft pick. Didn't know he caught a pass by Johnny NFL United. championship. Yeah, I, I did not know all that. So that was that was interesting. All right, and our second and final obituary this week is that of Bob Perriman, a running back in the NFL for six seasons, has passed away at the age of 58. 
Harriman played college football at Michigan and was selected in the third round of the 1987 NFL Draft by the New England Patriots. He played four seasons with the Patriots from 1987 to 1990 and finished his playing career with the Denver Broncos in 1991 and 1992. Okay, we're in, we're up to this week's history lesson, unless you've got any other breaking news. Uh, other than, I guess, Daniel Jones' contract is uh, worth about $160 million hmm. uh, over the course of the four years, or hmm. however that works out. Four-year, $160 million, so... Hmm. Uh, I got paid, and as my buddy just sent me a text about it, wow, he's worth that money, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, so I guess it's four years, $160 million with $35 million more available in incentives. Ooh, wow. So, and then Saquon Barkley gets the franchise tag is probably what's wow. going to happen. So, darn, I was really hoping the Lions would try to make a move for Saquon, to be honest. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's get into this week's history lesson. And uh, this week, uh, we're going to talk about the history of the Indoor Football League. Twelve years after the Arena Football League debuted in 1987, the Indoor Football League made its debut. Now, they couldn't use the rebound nets that were patented by the Arena Football League, so instead, they used U-shaped goalposts that were suspended from the ceiling of the arena. The first IFL championship game was played in 1999 and saw the Green Bay Bombers win the league title. The next year, in 2000, the Peoria Pirates won the title. And after only two seasons, the IFL folded. Then, in 2008, two competing indoor leagues, United Indoor Football and the Intense Football League, merged and became a new version of the Indoor Football League. The IFL competed with 19 teams in that inaugural season of 2009, and in the end, the Billings Outlaws won the title and earned the first United Bowl championship. Other teams that played during the 2009 season were the Alaska Wild, Corpus Christi Hammerheads, San Angelo Stampede Express, and two teams from right here in Michigan, the Muskegon Thunder and the Saginaw Sting. Unlike many of its competitors, the Indoor Football League has found a way over the years to thrive and survive. From a high of 25 teams to a low of six, nothing could stop the IFL until 2020 when COVID canceled their season. But they came back the following year, and now in 2023, they're set to start their 15th season with a total of 14 teams. Many IFL teams have come and gone over the years. Some of my personal favorites have been the Bloomington Extreme, the Chicago Slaughter, the Fairbanks Grizzlies, the Reading Express, Nebraska Danger, Bemidji Axemen, and the Salt Lake City Screaming Eagles. The IFL has also featured a number of former Arena Football League teams, including the Arizona Rattlers, Iowa Barnstormers, Quad City Steamwheelers, and Green Bay Blizzard. One of the greatest teams in the history of the Indoor Football League has been the Sioux Falls Storm. From 2010 to 2019, they went to 10 consecutive championship games, and they won seven of them, including six straight from 2011 to 2016. Along the way, that also included two undefeated seasons in 2012 and 2015. The 2022 IFL National Championship game featured the Northern Arizona Wranglers defeating the Quad City Steamwheelers by the score of 47 to 45. In 2023, a new team makes its debut in the IFL, the Tulsa Oilers. So congratulations, Indoor Football League, on making it to 15 seasons, something that a lot of other leagues have never done. 
what a perfect uh, history lesson to do right when the league is about to start up next week. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. Uh, and also excited to let everybody know, hey, heads up, this uh, the video or the history lesson that Randy just did will be a video. And we're going to try to... We're going to experiment for a few weeks here. Randy's very uncomfortable with being on camera. So <laughs> we we recorded a video version of this history lesson. Yep. And uh, we're thinking about posting the video version of the history lesson roughly 24 hours. We're going to give it a day after the podcast is posted before we post the video version of this history lesson. So be on the lookout uh, for his Indoor Football League history lesson video on Wednesday. So tomorrow the 8th. Yeah, it's not just me talking. It's uh, there's, there's some graphics and some videos that goes along with it. So uh, yeah, I think just, it came up pretty pretty good. You you did a good job. We're just changing us, things so. up, trying to yep. spice it up a little bit, so people aren't staring at a picture of uh, Amos Alonzo Stag for <laughs> forty five seconds. No, this it came up better than I expected. I was very reluctant to to do a video uh, version of this history lesson or or any uh, history lesson, but. He came out better than I thought, so yeah, unfortunately, then, we're going to do a couple more of these. Yeah, and uh, so begins the work on next week's <laughs> video history lesson. Yeah, luckily, I got that written already, and uh, so we can we can record that. We have a week to time. produce the next yeah. one. So, And uh, speaking of the Indoor Football League, they are beginning that 15th season starting on a Friday, March 17th. That's their 15th season, uh, and we're talking upcoming events here. Uh, Sunday, April 16th, the USFL regular season begins. The NFL draft in Kansas City is taking place April 27th through the 29th. May 22nd is the CFL preseason beginning. Uh, the next day, May 23rd, the XFL championship game will be played in San Antonio. Thursday, June 8th, the CFL regular season begins. And Thursday, August 3rd, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton featuring the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. What a jam-packed summer we've got man, coming oh man. up football. Football up the wazoo. <laughs> Let me tell you, from Kazoo, <laughs> we're loving everything they do. Jeez. I did all that for you. Oh my God. Do I have to put this down for something? Uh, I don't know. I hope our, not. Our you, annual... Uh, <laughs> that's up to you, but... Are you, I was sixth in, anniversary show coming up in August? Oh my God, six years? Oh, jeez. Yeah. We're allowed to start... Well, we, we probably would have already been able to start kindergarten. I've got several tracks already, but uh, the, we may have to add that. Oh, one God, me. please don't. <laughs> All right. Well, that's everything for this week on our show. Uh, anything that you want to add before we close this uh, the show out? Nope. Uh, like I said, right now we got the breaking news of the Giants and Daniel Jones. Um, I'll bet there'll be more as soon as there we might stop be it. more, but I don't know if all the teams have that sort of deadline where it was like four o'clock Eastern Standard Time today mm-hmm. that they had some sort of deadline to get that deal dealt with Daniel Jones. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was a self-imposed deadline. Could, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's depends on certain players' contracts. I have no idea. But everybody just uh, subscribe to Adam Schefter's Twitter and get those alerts because uh, those are usually a sure bet. You know, when everything hits the fan. Okay. Well, that's all for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we have done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, original articles, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo. You can also follow us on Twitter. The address there is at TWOF 
Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted on Tuesdays and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you can find the full audio versions of the podcast on YouTube as well. Uh, you can also search that YouTube search bar for the World of Football Kalamazoo Use the or use the handle youtube.com slash at the world of football where you're gonna find a lot of great videos. We're sitting at 244 subscribers right now. Mm. Tell all your friends about us. So we're gonna keep <laughs> trying to grow this channel out. Uh so the next video you guys will see will be tomorrow after this podcast is posted. Yep. Randy's history lesson on the indoor football league, which we're very proud of and excited to start uh, the next history lesson for next week. We are also available on Amazon Music. You can simply ask your Alexa device to play the World of Football podcast. Uh, believe us, it works. <laughs> Feel free to rate, subscribe, review. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment, a like, wherever platform you're using. Helps us out greatly. Let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. And as you guys might be well aware, we try to respond to every comment we get in those comment sections. We have been getting a lot of comments on YouTube for oh, yeah. various videos. We try to respond to everybody. There's been a couple that's just like, yep, I, you said it. Great. I'm just going to give you a big thumbs up and a heart, and we're going to move if, on. But if, if nothing else, we've read your your. Yeah, uh, your we read comments. every we, comment. We give you a thumb up, thumbs up so you know we actually read what you said. We, give, we try to read every comment, and hey, we don't always agree with everybody, <laughs> but you know what? That's what makes football great. Yep. We can agree and disagree. And we all love the same game. Yep. And remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than us two guys. And we'll tell you straight to your face in the comments section. You better believe that. <laughs> Until next time, when we'll try and do a better job, I'm Randy Snow. I don't think we could have done a better job than we did this week. Mm, maybe. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>